This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined today by Monique Kelly, who is in Wanaka. And she tells me she wears multiple hats. I'm sure we shall discover what some of those hats are. They're mostly in the sustainability space. How has your bubble life been? Bubble life in Wanaka has been really good. I love my bubble in Wanaka. I think it was a bubble before bubbles existed, though, Sam. We always t- talked about that. Hmm. In terms of it being a, a community with a, it doesn't have it doesn't have a big film around it, but it is a close knit community. No, it is a really close knit community, and it is. Um, you do sometimes need to get out of the bubble to sort of have a perspective on life and the rest of the world. Uh, but it has always been this very, um, it is a tight-knit community and um, with all of the good that goes with it. And I love that. After living overseas for so long, coming back and finding someplace where I've got roots has been really, um, it fills my cup. How do you think it manages to pull off being a, a close-knit community? Because it does have elements of the the transient tourism visitor market. I love the thought that if you come to Wanaka, even if it's for a day, for a couple of days, you actually can be part of the community. I think as a, someone new coming into it a few years ago, I didn't find it very hard to find my place and find my tribe within it. Uh, and... It's that transient nature of it and the fact that a lot of people would, didn't grow up here, that um, that it is quite a new community actually makes it quite accepting. I know that's not the experience of everyone, but that's definitely been mine. Um, and, yeah, the, I, I think as a, even as if you're coming in just for a short period, I know a lot of friends I've met here who've come to have their kids schooled for maybe six months from overseas and then have gone back to wherever from Europe or um, the US and they were really part of the community while they were here so I think that's positive. So what is it about Wanaka that attracts your sorts of people, your tribe? I don't know. Do you know, we were trying to distill this actually uh, recently um, with a bunch of us from uh, from Wanaka and trying to say, well, what what makes people want to come here? There's a, a, a sort of a magnetism, I think, with the place, you know, with the environment and where it's nestled. And you go out to Moahu Island and you've got this island on a lake, on an island, on a lake, on an island in the sea. And that part, about it so i'd say it's it's about the energy of the place if that answers the question it it i think it does i shall be swimming around your other one of your other islands in january there's a good sense of people just getting on and doing things it's not about waiting for other people to organize a in this case a swimming event the community just seems to have that the energy to do stuff Mm, it's a really I'm I love the community here because they very they're really active um, and even when it came to you know so sort the of different levels going from lockdown into uh, less than lockdown I think New, uh, the, that Wanaka has been or this community around Wanaka Luggett how we are have got together and been really pragmatic and said well what can we do 
and it's I think it's generalized throughout everything. We're about to run a summit and it's all about actually community expertise and getting up and saying, okay, we know there's a huge wave of change that's coming, so let's just get on and start dealing with it and um, start getting strategies set out as a community. I'll come back to that that summit. How did the community respond during the time when it couldn't actually get together as community? There was so we I went out and we had a good talk about it afterwards. I think in a lot of little neighbourhoods, um, or you know, I, I just take the example of up our driveway, and we've got eight houses sort of in a little um, section, and we all. Um, the first thing we did during lockdown was we reached out and we got each other's phone numbers and uh, we created a little WhatsApp group um, so that we would were looking after. There's some people in the in our little bubble here up the drive who were retired and didn't want to go and do groceries. So it was saying reaching out and actually even if you can't physically be close, it was that digital closeness. Uh, and now that we've got back to a little bit of usual, that connection, that group is still there, but you were not quite as active. I think there was even more sense of making sure that those close around you were okay. Um, and hopefully that's, that is going to be a permanent fixture. What do you think we can do to reinforce those, those connections? Because it's awfully easy to, to slip back into being busy. It is really, and I, how many people do we hear going, oh, I'm actually missing that time and missing that really um, almost you were cocooned in this space uh, and we're really missing it. And it's really hard because you struggle when you're busy to actually reconnect with people. I know I am uh, to just keep up that um, connection. And I think it's whether it's on a digital presence or physically, um, that's one of the things that we have to work hard at making sure we are doing. I don't have a solution for how we can do it. Um, making Being conscious of it, I think, is a good thing, and then making the effort to say, okay, it's much better if we are connected, so let's just do it. Let's take the first of your music selections. Let's have Julianne Dora with... Oh, I've lost it again. I've so had the pronunciation of this before. Fever. Do you want me to say? Yeah, I do. Fever. Julien Doré and Fièvre. Why this one, other than to make me try and pronounce French words? Because it is, I love, Julien Doré is a French artist. He's completely quirky. The video of this song is really um on point with what's going on in 2020 um it's a it's all it's a song about the earth and the earth has got fever um and he he's does it in a really fun um quite a naughty way that he talks about it or that he sings about it and plus he's got the most gorgeous voice i love it Ça s'use, c'est comme ton premier baiser. 
talking about running a summit what's that about uh, so this is the third year that we're running um the summit before it was called the one summit now it's this year it's the reset summit 2020 so the reset summit is all about educating inspiring and enabling community to transition to this new normal uh, so we've got a whole set of reset conversations, whether it's around where we're going and a big picture thinking, uh, also around better buildings. So having um, talking about passive housing, uh, zero waste building sites, um, mental health in the building industry, as well as a biggie. Uh, also in the food and fiber, so the rural sector. Um, we've got conversations around circular economy. Uh, we're showing the, plas- the story of plastics. So it's looking at what are the pain points or what are the challenges that we've got coming up, um, getting education about the complexities of it, talking about it, discussing, then thinking about strategies and tools that we can use to actually overcome those challenges. So we've got carbon workshops, a series of four carbon workshops for businesses or individuals. Um, we're going out into the field and farm, visiting farms to see what they're doing with their environmental plans. Talk about riparian planting, uh, water quality, soil health, carbon sequestration. Uh, we've got a whole day set out for well-being and mental health. So that's a big um, one this year. Um, just connecting the community in with um, well-being providers and giving them the tools to actually help themselves. So that's all trying to be have as many that are free um, to the community. But if we, you know, with I think one of the key things when you've got change going on is you need to, the more educated we are about the issues uh, and the more we can visualise and be inspired by that new picture of what's coming up, um, the better off we are. And then coming in on the back of that saying, well, you know why we need to do it, what we've got to do, and here are some tools to actually help you to get the first steps underway. So that's what the summit's all about, basically. So the group that's running this that you're behind is one news it's called We Are One. Yes. Wow. And, it's web- and its website is onenewzealand.co.nz. Yes. 
Yes, or the Reset Summit 2020.com. So who's the we? Uh, well, there's a whole bunch of us. I think I counted up because I had to count it up and just sort of look at st stats the other day. I think it's about um, over 50 volunteers who are involved in this. So big community input. Uh, we sort of working in sectors. You've got a whole um, a big group of young 20-year-olds who um, have labelled themselves as a Gen Wow and they're doing some really cool stuff around mental health or they had a recent talk about democracy, um, just politics 101 to get young voters to understand voting and, you know, the mechanics of it. Uh, and then you've got the different working groups. So we've got an action group which is in the building sector and that's looking at it from a real sector approach with um, right from supplies with placemakers on board. We've got QLDC, um, MITRE 10, and then going through architects and builders uh, through to property developers, um, real estate. So we're looking at it from a real ecosystems point of view and getting everybody around the table and then coming up with a strategy. And then we're also working a little bit with the um, uh, tourism sector, uh, with the primary sector, um, and, and then just... Uh, facilitating those conversations so it's very much a collaborative um, co-design process uh, where we're just providing sort of the framework for what and the and then we can plug in with different expertise that each group needs so that would be the way it's quite diverse so was it called reset before covid or is, is that a post-covid thing that's the post-COVID. We were really worried during um, going, well, can we actually do an event, hold an event? Uh, and then thinking of different ways to do it. And I think it's um, we rebranded to the uh, We Are One, the WOW, um, during COVID and went, okay, we're going to do a reset summit because I think that's been the um, kind of that is the button that has been pushed. And 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 hopefully make some great decisions in the next I, I sort of see this year as being a real flip here globally um and it's a, a such a massive opportunity to actually just think about how we can do things differently because some people are treating it as they're describing what we're doing now as a recovery and i'm not seeing recovery language or hearing recovery language i'm hearing much more of regenerative language that you're using i don't know if we want to recover do we really want to go back to what we were at i know here in this district in the in the southern lakes it's been there was a lot of pushback on what was happening already uh we had um that volume of um, tourism that was coming through it was putting a lot of stress on not only the environment but the people um, and saying, well, do you know how can we reimagine when we do get visitors back in? You know, what? How can we reimagine that recovery for me is, um, you know, you want to get back to the same state you were before. I don't know if we want to get that. We don't want that actually. You'd probably want that if you owned a hotel. Well, maybe in a different. Potentially, but even for the tourism industry, I think that they're, you know, I think of my conversations with Lake Wanaka Tourism and, and there has been a push within that industry to look at, well, how can we be a much more sustainable industry? And when you look at the stats coming out of, I think, Statistics New Zealand in August published a report saying that tourism was, uh, when it looked at um, sort of the impact, the environmental impact of it, it was the uh, it had the most negative impact out of any industry in New Zealand. Um, and they were really conscious of it. So it's going, I think that that movement towards offering more sustainable tourism is, or um, actually I would almost go down. I, I think that word tourism, we need to look at it differently. And from a perspective of why do we go away why do we go on holiday? And when we actually first regulated it, uh, the end of the Industrial Revolution, it was actually to, it was for the mental, physical and spiritual health and well-being of workers that we actually regulated or put holidays acts in place. And if we look at what 
the core of why what tourism is is actually about well-being and when you think of that you work in the well-being sector and not the tourism sector you actually think in a really different light about what you're offering and uh, you suddenly that start to think about well how can i ensure the well-being of the visitors that come and um, how are they being um how are we filling their cup and also about who is working in that industry and how they can you you need to um, also look at how we're looking after their well-being that's a really interesting take on well-being or an element of well-being that that i don't think's come up before when well-being first raised its head in new zealand a couple of government budgets ago there was very much a feeling of yeah that's all very nice but show me the money and i think that one of the things that's happened over the last year or two is that well-being connected to mental health has become really strong but also as we've seen with covid the connection between the health and that well-being and 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 how closely connected that system is to the economy system that i think it's it's it, it's it's really positioned well-being as something which is needs to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. I think it's going. You know, I just keep on thinking about our measures for success, and you know, you look at the GDP measure, and um, I can't f- for the life of me because I've now got a mind blank. But in the thirty, it was invented in the thirties, and the guy who actually. Uh, invented as a measure said this will never be an indicator of the well-being of the of a society um and when i think about gdp what are we measuring if we were looking at it from a well-being or a body point of view all we're doing is actually measuring what's coming out the other end that's all it is how many widgets are we actually making whereas if you look take a really holistic view to health you actually need to measure a lot more that's going on body what are you putting into the system already? Is it toxic or non-toxic? Um, what's its impact from coming from the environment coming into your body? And then how is it um, circulating within the body as well? So looking at better distribution of wealth, uh, we need to start taking temperatures um, throughout the body. You know, where is the stagnation? Where is there not? Where are the flows? Um, and having a lot more tools. I think GDP or growth or uh, is one that we can use, but it would, if we only use that one, it's like um, medieval medicine to me. So I think this whole idea of well-being is that first step towards understanding that we need much more complex systems measures to understand what's going on. It's good to see that um, New Zealand, um, that we are looking at this from a budgeting point of view as well. So do you think that Wanaka is ready for those conversations? I mean, I know that some of it is, but you presumably want to be doing more than preaching to the choir. Yeah, I think it's, uh, well, it's, I, it's probably conversations, really, and discussions. That, that's why we've called them reset conversations, because I think it's uh, um, discussions that need to be had everywhere around not just Wanaka in New Zealand, but probably they're happening around the world. And this is what what is happening in in, um, universities, uh, everything, even in business lunches, wherever you're taught, you know, you're uh, speaking, it's it's a, um, or discussing there, these questions are coming up. I had a bunch of high school kids um, and their teacher, and that was one of the questions they were wanting to discuss the other day was around, around, growth and or how do we measure success so it's a topic on a lot of people's lips at the moment in the 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 summit that you're running how much time are you spending on the the problem the 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 doom Or, or, or do you at the point where we people know that and we can move on with 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 looking at creating some solutions Sometimes that doom is good to have a wake-up call, but it would terrify people into going back into their bubble if we did that all the time. I think for us it's very much about, um, you know, I think we have heard a lot of the 
um, if we take the analogy of being on a boat, there are some people on that boat that are the alarm bells, and I think they've been ringing fairly strongly for the past couple of years. And hopefully most people have actually listened and um, are starting to think, oh, gosh, there's an alarm. Um, what the summit is really about is that next step up going, okay, we've heard the alarm, what's the, what's the plan? And talking about that next step towards actually doing something about the problem. So we're very much, that's why it's all about educate, inspire, enable. And it's, if you take a change management structure, um, and we took a corporate one and had a look at it, they're the first three key things that you need to um, to really do to in, to get real behavioural shift um, at um for at a personal or a or a community level, you need to paint the vision of what could be, so that people uh, lose that fear, which is usually the first thing that you feel. Um, and then the education bit is really important because then you are saying, um, "This is why." So part of that is doom and gloom because you've got to go. This is why we're doing it, but it's also part about educating about the solutions, and then. The enabling part is saying, well, what are the tools or what's the strategy? What are the steps that we need to take to actually reach that vision? Uh, so it's a very simple um, process in when you talk about it. But then it's just finding, well, what is the right way for each sector, each demographic um, to actually start the process along? And I'm just looking at the the Reset Summit 2020.com. You're not shying away from some of the things which are controversial and difficult and people have different perspectives on. So things like um, agricultural emissions. That isn't yeah, something for which there is a, a, a technical solution. So I think that taking tackling the problem head on with um, those in the rural sector is the best option for this. And so our focus is on a workshop which is around helping uh, those in the rural sector and the food and fibre sector to actually understand um, how they can mitigate um, and actually become, you know, sequester carbon, uh, what their emissions are, um, and providing them with the tools so that they can help to, they can monitor that um, long term. There's a lot of, um, there's a big accent on what's already being done. I think a lot of farmers are actually, you know, it's so much easier when you front up to a problem quickly um, and really say, okay, we've got a problem, let's deal with it and start to deal with it. Then you're not, uh, and there are a lot of those on farms that are really doing this. And there's, if we look at, um, for example, the regenerative um, mindset approach that is really happening throughout New Zealand and this understanding of how much potential we have to sequester carbon in the soil, um, I think that we've got massive potential to actually change what some perceive as a problem into a real solution. And the, the one of the key things, I think, for us is working with rather than there's no point anyone pointing fingers um you could do the same with the construction industry and all the waste that they actually um cause when they're doing when they're constructing it's actually better to go in and, and actually say okay as a sector let's tackle the problem see what we can solve now see what we can't solve but we're working on and actually have a plan to go forward so that's how that's the approach we're taking with it in terms of that plan to go forward i see that you've got um, max rashbrook doing a next steps session and it's interesting that you've you've got him because that's a real his focus is on inequality and poverty and and, and so on and so you clearly are treating the the environment and the people together the whole approach that we've done so we you know sustainability has to be understood as we get from negative and the negative we're actually in debt at the moment we have to get to zero that point is called sustainability and then um and then we go into that regenerative zone but the the and then understanding also what um i really love and i think that uh, a lot of people have uh, read or should read actually for the listeners um kate rayworth's 
donut economics model. And you have this idea of this social foundation and an ecological ceiling and that each of that foundation and ceiling are comprised of a whole lot of tipping points where if you play the game right, you actually um, can thrive within the space that is created between those two. Uh, and if you play it wrong, you get holes in your foundation and holes in your ceiling and you're really unstable. Um, the framework that we use is based on the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which provide a, a really holistic overview of what those foundation stones and uh, ecological ceiling is. Although I do like Kate's nine planetary boundaries model, probably a bit better, it's a bit more specific. Um, my background is uh, as a... I've been working with the UN for the International Labour Organization for uh, 20 years almost. And I was working in that social foundation space and um, the understanding that we have to incorporate things like um, health and wellbeing, education, poverty, uh, hunger, um, decent work, innovation. Um, those are also, if we don't have them within a society, they are tipping points. So Max Rashbrook came. One of the goals is around um, strong democracy um, and institutions and the any society that has got a really solid democratic system is going to thrive. If you don't have it, you're going to really miss it. You're going to be really unstable. Um, it's social, economic, cultural. Um, it's the understanding that it is one um, system not multiple and not working in silos which is another take on your one as in we are one that we are one system yeah mm -hmm. we've seen we are one we've seen lots of changes societal level changes over the last few months what do you think is going to stick and perhaps more importantly what do you hope will stick oh that's a good question um, I really think that uh, what I've really loved about this is the support for locals and um, not just from a micro-local but also the macro with New Zealanders really pulling together and the understanding that we can work as a team. Uh, you know, there's different subjects where we don't want to work as a team. Diversity and diverse thinking is really good, so we want those robust debates and or discussions I would say not debates there's a winner and a loser in a debate robust discussions are much better um, but in this one we've really been able to show that we can operate as a team and I was super proud to be a New Zealander and I think a lot of us were um, over the past year I in my bubble here um, love the fact that people are pulling together and pulling around, it's not easy. There's a lot of people that have lost their jobs or where it's become really shaky um, and uncertain and there's a lot of underemployment as well as unemployment. So it's that pulling together of the community and um, helping out in their understanding. I think that be kind um, has been really key to that. Um, and I hope that that continues. Although we'd have to wonder why we weren't being kind already. Probably because we were having too much fun, weren't we, being in oblivion? <laughs> so what lessons do you think we can take from this experience for those longer-term, larger-scale questions of climate change and social inequity and so on? There's a lot we can learn about facing challenges as a team again um you know i just look at the i think covid was just one storm that's come through we didn't expect this one it was a bit of a, um out of the blue but we are going to get bigger storms and they're going to get a lot gnarlier before they get better uh so this was kind of like a test run uh for how we react and it just showed the importance of good leadership and team work as well from multiple points of view. And when you look from a global perspective about those countries that fared well during this and that didn't, I think that that sense of leadership 
and thought leadership as well. Um, we have got a Prime Minister who has been um, really seen from a national, but also really importantly, an international point of view as being that leader. But I think we have multiple leaders in New Zealand who helped to get this, to you know, to help to get us where we are. And that I, I you know, the pragmatic outlook from New Zealanders of just saying challenge, problem, let's deal with it and let's actually find solutions is um, I've seen it work in the when we've had our governing body or conference meetings in Geneva, but seeing it actually in practice nationally has, um, we do have that as a nation, we do tackle problems head on. So I think we can take courage and say, okay, we've had a test trial We've got some other big challenges that we're going to have to confront. We can't hide from them, um, no matter how much we want to. We actually have to stand up and face them and just deal with them because the sooner that we do, the better off our kids are going to be. I wonder if the things that people come up with at your summit will be wider reaching and perhaps have more impact than they would have done if we didn't have COVID on the basis that we've proven that we can do stuff. Change is possible. Yeah, I would hope so. I would really love to hope so. I think that COVID, you know, crises, they always seem to accentuate or accelerate things that are happening beforehand. So I hope that this is just going to accelerate things. And they do take, you know, at that crossroads, we're actually going to go down the good path. Um, I think it's really important too that we, and, and this is, been the process that hopefully is happening here but uh you know often in a crisis and I look at the GFC when it came through in 2008 in Queenstown and uh the what happened was a reaction to that event and the reaction was we need more people so they you know the the whole focus was on getting bums on seats on planes and coming down without actually thinking about the consequences of that um, and that reaction has caused so many problems with respect to infrastructure, failure, um, environmental impact, impact on the community. Whereas I have, I, I really hope that this time we're actually taking time to reflect to see how the system is broken or where, what parts of it are broken and looking to build where we go now based on a new system where we're really looking long-term at impacts and thinking 50 years down the track, what do we want, what legacy do we want to leave? Um, be interesting to see with that change mindset. I think it's going to be really interesting to see from a historical perspective if there is actually a change of mindset that can be traced back to now. Mm-hmm. It's probably my my intuition or my thinking, my intuition would say this is just one little step, COVID. I think that, you know, this is a one important blip on that historical timeline where we start this shift. And I don't know how, you know, this is going to shift us, how much of a shift it's going to make before we need to get to where we need to go to. That's only time that will tell. And maybe... Uh, who can tell what other blips are going to come along that's going to move that dial even further? Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. If you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, in your beloved universes, I really hope that wherever you are, whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you. More and more each day, who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here making things better, beautiful people. Thank you. So you have to excuse me yawning a wee bit, but had a very exciting adventure today. I've been really looking forward to talking to you about it. It's been a fascinating day with PGG rights and visiting me at Orokinui Eco Sanctuary, and then going out for a fancy dinner with them and talking to them all about sustainability. 
And of course, for me, I just love talking about sustainability because for me, that is what life is all about. That is what all life has been engaged in since the universe emerged into being. And that is why we're here. And this is what we're here to think about. And this is what we're here to really feel passionately engaged in and acknowledge all life's role in. So I had a wonderful day with them all. And of course, it got me really enjoying, excuse me, thinking about how we're all here participating and contributing to this process of constant learning and co-evolution and how wonderful that is it's completely amazing that we don't have all of the answers immediately and that we're learning and learning and learning together i think that's very beautiful and i think very noble and a perfect way to spend our time to increase our understanding every single day of how we can do things better together i love it and it's not only of course us as a species of animal engage this process it's all life and so it was wonderful today sharing my perceptions with pgg wrightson and hearing their perception their challenges and what they are want to shift overcome in terms of sustainability for them but i loved of course showing them all around otokanui and they loved connecting these beautiful ambassadors that we have at Otomo, like Waimari Hill, like Kōrukutuku, the native fuchsia tree, communicate with coloured flowers, the native bees living in their tunnels in the earth, inheriting their tunnels from their mothers. And yeah, I just really enjoyed today in terms of working with a lot of people who are working all day in offices to help other people care for the land around and preserve the land and I was really struck by how all life is doing this in different ways. We are going out to the world, we're choosing what we value, we're carefully bringing what we value back into our homes, into our closer environments and doing what we can to preserve in various ways. And for PGG Wrightson, sustainability for them is all about how can they do this data preservation in the best way. They don't want to use lots of paper, they don't want to use lots of cloud storage space, so how can they do it in the best way? And is it reframing how they value data? Is it changing how they store data and conceptualize the data they need? That's really very fascinating. And when I came home, of course, after all of these wonders and musings, beautiful Poirot had brought home the biggest treasure from the human world that he's ever brought home, which was a large black and red gardening glass. Up until this point, he's only brought home relatively small treasures, Nerf gun bullets and the seal from around car doors that he liked carrying around like big worms. But of course, it really reinforced to me that beautiful, beautiful process that we're all contributing to, which is that learning co-evolution, drawing treasure from the outside world, taking it within our conscious, preserving it and sharing it with each other's lives that await to be born. So I really hope that whatever's happened around you, you're really enjoying this process and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks. Kakiti. So I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, swimming the challenge. Oh, my. Um, I loved it. I, I swam the challenge course. That was a little bit of a miracle for me because I'm, I'm a... I'm a very casual sportswoman, very, very casual. So I was really super proud. I actually finished without drowning. Well done. How far did you go? Um, I think it was 4K. Gosh, I think it was, yeah, 4K for the, I just did the half. I didn't do the full. Awesome. And so it'll be Ruby Island next. I did do Ruby Island as well, but I didn't go right around the island. I was just in my training, but I did love it. Um, and no, it was very, I really, yeah, it was challenging. I was, but it was good. I'm pleased that I was courageous enough to do it. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is the superpower that's got you into our mansion? Oh, seeing forests. I like seeing forests right from the canopy, top canopy, right down to the um soil underneath do you consider yourself to be an activist um i'm a doer 
doer of what? Doer of deeds. Doer of deeds, exactly. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Making a world that's better for my kids. I think my, my real why I'm doing this is, is making sure that we're leaving this place. Legacy, I would say. And so what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Taking some big steps to get towards that vision that uh, we're painting for this, um, for the world. Interesting you talk about big steps there. What's your view on incremental change versus systems? And you talked about tipping points before. Do little, little things add up or does it take some big things? I, I love the idea of going back to that body analogy. I think that if you can find the places on your body where just with, you know, like in Chinese medicine, you just need to put a little needle in there and the whole system ripples down. So I think those steps don't need to be um, massive in terms of capacity or uh, or energy. You just need to find the ones where with the least energy you push and then the whole system ripples out. So it's finding those trigger points to actually create that change. Um, I think values are a big one in that, is that understanding that values have shifted or uh, which they have and saying, pointing out, well, there's a dislocation between the system now and our values. So saying, well, how do we want to build up that? It's kind of, it's a really exciting time when you think about it from that perspective. There's just not many times in a lifetime or a generation where you get the opportunity to actually um, rebuild a system from the ground up. And that's a big a big part of that is having the imagination to envisage envision a new system or a new a new world. I think it, I, you, there's so many people who I've talked to who've said in the last five years, maybe 10 years, that they've had this, um, in particular in the last two, that they've had this snapshot moment where they go, oh my gosh, I realise what's going on. Suddenly values shift, like it's a plastic bag thing. Um, you know, you're going for years and years, plastic-free Wanaka, we're trying to get rid of plastic bags. And all of a sudden you reach that tipping point and people are going, oh, actually, I don't need to use them anymore. And it's a little bit of a um, uh, that shift in, I understand the impact of plastics, therefore I will not use a plastic bag. Um, and the understanding of that is a hook into the next step and the next step and the next step. So it is a, a pretty exciting moment to have people become more aware. And I think that's a really amazing thing that people are, we're almost stepping up as a species in an awareness of our impact. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? advice for listeners just stay true to yourself i think it's really listen to um listen to that inner voice and even if it's really difficult and i know it is because i just wanted to hide in under my duvet for so long that confronting problems head on and sooner rather than later is a much better way to um you sit much more comfortably with your values and yourself. And I think short, that that pain of having to confront it in the beginning or the scariness goes away once you actually start doing something about it. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much, Sam. It was an absolute pleasure. We shall go out to the who, talking about my generation, as close as I can find to regeneration. Cause we get around about before get old. Talking about my generation. Talking about my generation. 
try and dig what we all s s say. Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I've been joined by Monique Kelly in Wanaka. We've been talking about the Reset Summit, resetsummit2020.com. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.